morning, everyone. Happy November. Um, I'm going to read uh, from Psalm 78, uh, today's passage. It's, in, it's on page 280 um, in the ESV Bibles that are on the end of your pew if you want to follow along. Psalm 78, 1 through 20. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise to tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites, armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zone. He divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the waters stand up like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with the cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. It's my pleasure to also introduce to you this morning our speaker for the morning, Will Klotz. Will has been, Will's from Vanderblumen and has been helping lead our search for, for a pastor here for Icon Church. And so it's a, um, it's a privilege and a pleasure to introduce Will this morning. He serves as a senior client relations manager um, on the client relations team at Vanderblumen. And prior to joining Vanderblumen, he served as a church planner and lead pastor in the D.C. area. He also worked in business development in the energy industry earlier in his career. And on the side, he and his family started and ran a local barbecue company called uh, Pastor's Pig Barbecue. Love that. Um, love that. So you'll be cooking after church for us, Will? Is that, um, Will grew up in Northern Virginia and holds a Master's of Divinity from Reformed Theological Seminary. Will and his wife, Chelsea, and their four kids, Caleb, Emily, Anna, and Ava, live in the Houston area. They enjoy working out and exploring nature together. And he's especially passionate about helping churches and nonprofits build their teams and more effectively carry out their mission. So it's a joy and a pleasure to welcome you this morning, Will. Thanks. Icon, good morning. It is so good to be with you all again. Uh, we were here uh, a couple months ago as we were getting the, uh, 
the, the pastor search started, but this time I've been able to spend a little more time here. Uh, I brought my middle daughter with me, Anna, so she's seven years old, and she gets to go home and brag that this is the furthest any of her siblings have ever been from home. And uh, we're really feeling it. So uh, we're, we're a long way from home. We love it. So glad to be here. Yesterday, I was in the deep woods of East Texas, like as far Texas as you can get on opening deer season. And when you drop your deer off, you're surrounded by camo and handed a brisket taco. This morning I was handed uh, a wonderful cup of coffee and was surrounded by more hair colors than I've ever uh, been around. And so, so I'm definitely a long way from the, the woods of East Texas, but uh, I'm so glad actually not to just be in Seattle. Um, I'm so glad to be here at Icon, knowing just the just steadfast labor that you guys continue to walk in as you navigate a really tough season as a church. I realize that. And just my hope this morning is that, that you would just be encouraged um, and that you would experience, you know, the season that you are in right now as a church, you know, even, even as an individual follower of Jesus is not a random season. Um, God has great intentionality in it. And so let's pray together and invite God to speak to us through his word to give clarity in the different seasons that, that we're in in this room. Can we, can we do that? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church. Um, thank you that it was planted here four, five years ago. Thank you for the great purposes that you're working through it. Um, pray that your people would be encouraged this morning. Um, I pray they would leave here maybe with burdens lifted off their back. I pray that they would leave here with just a deeper desire to pursue and to know you. Um, I pray that your hand would just fall heavily on us as we, as we dive into this passage together this morning. Um, so would you, would you meet us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I don't always have titles for the messages that I give, but this morning I do. The, the title is this. It comes from verse 19 in the psalm we just read. Uh, it's in question form. The title to this morning's message is this. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Uh, this is a wilderness passage, and I picked this passage for a couple reasons. One, the first time I stepped off the plane in Seattle, my first impression was, these people seem to really like camping. Is that true of here? Um, like, like in Dallas, in the airport, like there's you know, really expensive bags that people have, roller bags that they're probably making payments on. And uh, here, everyone has like a, not a roller bag, but like a camping backpack that they're ready to hit the wilderness with. Like this just seems like a wilderness people. The abundance of Subarus with the, uh, the rack on top for your equipment. Some of you might even have that. It's great. So like number one, wilderness, this seems to tie in well with just who you are as a people. But, but more importantly, I know Icon Church, is in the midst of a wilderness season right now. Um, and not just Icon Church, we could actually say that you could characterize your entire Christian life on this earth as a season in the wilderness. Uh, we are wilderness wanderers waiting to get to our, our final destination. And, um, you know, if, if you've been in the wilderness before, you know that it's not a comfortable place. It's probably not a place that you would choose to go on on your own. But when it comes to our spiritual wilderness, brothers and sisters, uh, it's in the wilderness that God is in fact doing some of his deepest work in our lives. And so in the midst of the wilderness season, Icon Church finds, it, finds itself in, I, I don't want you to miss out on the work that God is intending to do while you're here in the wilderness. 
I think we have a big problem when it comes to being in the wilderness, especially as people who are accustomed to comfort and having our desires met at an instant's notice with everything. Uh, we have this problem in the wilderness uh, when we find ourselves in a, in a wilderness season, and it's this. We often mistake a season of wilderness, a season of discomfort, a season where our needs are not immediately met as God abandoning us. When in fact, it's in the wilderness that God is doing some of his deepest work in our lives. And so to state my point simply this morning, it's this. The Lord draws us into the wilderness so that he might draw us to himself. The Lord draws us into the wilderness so that he might draw us into himself. In verse 19, there, there's this question, and it's really meant to mock and complain against God who had led Israel into the wilderness. They, they ask this question, this question, can God spread a table in the wilderness? Little did they know that God indeed is spreading a table in the wilderness, and at the other end of that table, he is inviting you and I as his people to pull up a chair to pull up a chair at that table. And Icon, I do not want you to miss out on the table that he is spreading before you this morning. And so let's just dive right in and ponder this question. I'm saying wilderness season. What do I mean by that? What is the wilderness? Um, you know, of course, for Israel, we know they left Egypt and they were in this literal wilderness. They were in this very uncomfortable place. None of their needs uh, were immediately met there. It was a dangerous place. It was a place uh, of lack, a place of insecurity. Um, but know that as we go through wilderness seasons as God's people, it can be in a literal wilderness like that, uh, or it can be in our everyday lives, uh, here even in a downtown you know, heart of, of Seattle that, that we find ourselves. Um, but there are, there are similarities, even if we're not out in a literal wilderness, there are similarities between the seasons God brings us in as his people to what we might experience way out in the wilderness. So for example, wilderness seasons are uncomfortable. Uh, there's no glamping, you could say, in the wilderness seasons that God brings us into. Uh, in the wilderness, the things that we look to for comfort, maybe even survival, are not always readily available. The wilderness is a lonely place. The wilderness is often a dangerous place, far removed from the things that we look to for safety and comfort. And so whether or not you are out in the woods uh, under a tent or you're in the middle of a city, you can be in a wilderness season. I wonder if there's anyone in this room that those words might describe where you're at right now. Another key point about the wilderness is that the wilderness as God's people is a place in between. A place in between. So the wilderness is temporary. Uh, it's, it's, it's an in-between season that's not meant to be permanent. So there's this great book called A Non-Anxious Presence by a guy named Mark Sayers. Maybe some of you have read it. Uh, and he describes uh, the, 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 the wilderness this way. You've left one place, a place that was familiar, normal, even comfortable, and you're headed to a new place, a place with great promise, but right now you're somewhere in between. So for the passage that we're in this morning, for example, the uh, recounting Israel in the wilderness, they are not in Egypt anymore, and yet they know they're going to the promised land, but they're not there yet. They're somewhere in between. We're not in the, you could say, pre-COVID world anymore. 
the dust is still settling for what exactly the world will look like going forward, where are we right now? We're somewhere in between. As icon, we're not in the days when we had sort of solidified leadership as a church. We're headed there and, and Vanderblumen's helping get you there. Don't worry, help is on the way. But, but we're not yet in the season when the new pastor has been established. Where are we? We are somewhere in between. And you can fill in the blank for your own life and your own personal wilderness where you are not in this season where things were comfortable, normal, and uh, your expectations were immediately met. You're, you're not where you're headed yet. Where are you? You're in the wilderness. You're somewhere in between. And that's what the wilderness is. Um, And that's where the text brings us this morning. So this was written, this psalm, in David's day, so a long time from the wilderness generation. And he he states the the high-level purpose for why he wrote this psalm uh, here in verse 7 and 8. He he states his main concern, talking to the Israelites in David's day. Uh, He says that, that he wanted them to set their hope in God not in necessarily having ideal life circumstances. He, he wants them to not forget the works of God, to remember all that he had done in their history to redeem them and to, to take care of them. And he, he wants the people to uh, keep, his, keep the Lord's commandments, primarily to love God and treasure him above all else. So that's the high level purpose of the psalm, but, it, but he says that against the backdrop of the wilderness generation. So he looks back to the, to the people of Israel who were in the wilderness and they failed their wilderness test. He says in verse eight that they were stubborn and rebellious. Their heart was not steadfast. Their spirit was not faithful. He, he recounts all the miracles that God had did, done to deliver them, how he had worked the plagues in Egypt to, to set them free. And when they thought all hope was lost against the Red Sea, how he split it wide open for them to walk through and how they had watched uh, their enemies be buried beneath the water forever And that they were promised this land, this land uh, flowing with milk and honey, this land where everything worked the way that it was supposed to, uh, where where they were flourishing. But he remembers that that generation wasn't quite there yet. They were in between, in the wilderness. And what we have to see, brothers and sisters, is that the wilderness is not just an experience for Old Testament Israel. This uncomfortable place, this place in between is a normal experience that we walk through as God's people and look right at me when I say being in the wilderness does not mean that God has abandoned you. It does not mean that he's left you. How could that be the case when Jesus rises from the baptismal waters, the father speaks over him, this is my son with whom I am well pleased and what does it say immediately after Jesus left the baptismal waters? The Spirit drove him into the wilderness. The wilderness is a normal place that God puts us as his people. Uh, It's a place that is not necessarily comfortable, not a place that we would choose to go on our own, uh, but it is by no means a sign of his abandonment. In fact, it's the place where he's doing some of the deepest work in our lives. So, Uh, That's what the wilderness is, right? This place in between, this place of discomfort, this place where we have to to rely on on the Lord to make it through. What ultimately does the wilderness expose? Let's let's ponder that question for a minute. What is the the wilderness meant to expose in our lives? The wilderness is a testing ground, and only one person has ever passed that test, Jesus himself. Uh, But the wilderness shows what's going on in the deepest places of our soul. 
We may think of ourselves as, as doing quite well spiritually, quite healthy, until the wilderness shows up, and then it shows what's really going on. The people of Israel saw God's mighty hand deliver them through the plagues. They saw the Red Sea parted. Uh, They got to see their enemies destroyed forever. They're on the other side of the uh, Red Sea. They're having this dynamic worship experience. Miriam writes this song. Tambourines are busted out. It's this incredible experience of worship. They've been delivered and now they're ready for the promised land, right? Wrong. They had to go through their wilderness testing. They had to let the wilderness expose what was going on deep within their souls. Even though they were out of all that junk from Egypt, all that junk from Egypt hadn't yet been taken out of them. They carried it with them. And uh, if they're truly going to be God's people, they have to be redeemed of what they were carrying with them. And so what ultimately did the wilderness expose for them? And what does the wilderness expose for us? Number one, it exposes this. We don't truly trust the Lord. And if the primary purpose of our redemption is to to bring us back into relationship with the God that we had been estranged from, listen to me. It's impossible to have a relationship with someone that we don't trust. And so the wilderness is meant to shine a spotlight on the fact that we do not trust the Lord. So the the psalmist here, he he cautions us by looking at the failures of Israel in the wilderness. He says uh, that, that that we are to set our hopes in God, to not forget his works, unlike their fathers. And then in verse 17, he describes uh, their heart posture uh, towards the Lord uh, as they enter the wilderness. In verse 17, it says, they sinned against the, uh, they, they, they sinned still against him, rebelling against the most high in the desert. They tested God in their hearts by demanding the food they craved. So the people had a need and they did not respond with faith. They responded with, with anger. And so uh, what they're having here is not a humble request for provision. What they're revealing is a heart of distrust expressing itself through anger as soon as God's provision and how he will provide for them is not immediately evident. So their, their distrust Their frustration, their anger is expressed in verse 19. It says, they spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? This is uh, sort of a sarcastic mocking. You could imagine a conversation unfolding uh, between a couple of Israelites in the wilderness that sounded something like this, you know. Can, Can you believe this? Here we are in the middle of nowhere Nothing to eat, nothing to drink. What in the world were we thinking following Moses out into the wilderness? Maybe you've thought that question to yourselves, even being a part of this church plant. What were we thinking coming out into the middle of this wilderness? And maybe one of the Israelites responds to him, well, you never know. He just worked all these miracles. Maybe God will provide soon for us here. Oh yeah, I'm sure God is just gonna unfold a banquet table right in front of us. There's not a a drop of water to drink. There's not an ounce of food to eat. And I'm sure here we are in the middle of nowhere, God is just gonna spread out a table and there's gonna be a lamb on it and there's gonna be pita bread for us to eat. It's gonna be wonderful. We're gonna cap it all off with a creme brulee. I'm sure that God is just gonna spread a table right here before us in the wilderness. It's a sarcastic mocking. As, as they are not having their needs immediately met, they're showing their distrust and even their disdain for the Lord 
for not meeting their needs in the way they wanted, in the timeline that they expected. And so as soon as his plan and his provision is not immediately evident, they begin to doubt, to grumble, to question his, his intentions, and to even sarcastically mock him. They may have had trusting hearts when everything was going well, but as soon as they enter the wilderness, the reality of their distrust is exposed. So can I invite you to ponder this question personally? When you enter a wilderness, do you think to yourself, you know what, this is hard, but God's been faithful to me. He's carried me before. He will provide for me. Is your heart posture like them? Doubting his presence, doubting his faithfulness, maybe even mocking. Yeah, I'm sure God is just gonna unfold a table right here before me. Mark Sayers in his book says the following, the wilderness reveals the reality of our hearts. Our character is indeed shown in moments of challenge. Outside the protective walls of Egypt, we find out who we really are. Do we grumble, wishing to return to Egypt, or do we praise in the desert? The wilderness shows us who we really are. The wilderness shows the lack of intimate trust that we have in the Lord, and once again, you cannot be in relationship, intimate relationship with someone that you do not trust. What does your wilderness season reveal about your confidence, your trust in the Lord? Before we move on, the, the wilderness is gonna show us something else that's really important too. First, it's gonna show us where our trust is. Secondly, you know what it's gonna often show us? The things that we look to for comfort and peace besides the Lord. The things that we look to for comfort and peace besides the Lord. So this recounts their grumbling about food. But if we read the Exodus story, we know that uh, this problem of theirs continues to manifest itself in different ways. And so uh, we know that, that Moses goes up onto the mountain and he's to receive the covenant and the, the commandments that was to shape and guide them as a people as they headed into the promised land. And when Moses was not coming down off the mountain in the timeline that they anticipated, what do they end up doing? They start taking out their, their hoop earrings and their, their gold and they melt it down and they build a golden calf and they start worshiping it. Now, if you read this quickly, uh, it, it, it almost sounds a bit random, right? Like, whoa, what in the world? We, like, we just crossed the Red Sea. Moses has been up there for five minutes. All of a sudden, we're fashioning a golden calf. Like, what, what is this about? What, what has this come from? It seems a bit random, but this is what I think we can be quite confident in. What you're seeing unfold before them in the story is behavior that they had learned back in Egypt. What do the Egyptians do when they have a need that's not being met? What do they do when they need salvation from something or peace in some situation or provision? They create an idol and they bow down to it. So what is Israel carrying with them into the wilderness? They're carrying with them the, that same pattern of life that they learned back in Egypt. The wilderness exposes it. Uh, the wilderness exposes their hearts of distrust and, and it, it reveals the things that they look to besides the Lord for peace and for salvation. Can I ask you this question? When you are in a season of angst, when your needs are not immediately being met, maybe even when your desires are not immediately being met, what are the things that you turn to in the midst of the wilderness to find comfort and peace? 
I can speak to myself personally. So this, this generally evolves over time. Maybe you can relate to it. So when I was 16, I got saved out of some very dark things. Heavy drug addiction, heavy sexual addiction. I was a catastrophe when I was 16. And the Lord saved me profoundly. My life was transformed. And for the first few years, things were going so well. I was on this like spiritual honeymoon phase where just my life was turning around and I was just flourishing and in ways that I never had before. But after a while, in, in the midst of that, I, I remember thinking like the old things that I used to do, the drugs that I used to do, that whole lifestyle, I had no appeal for that whatsoever. I wanted nothing to do with it. But what would happen when all of a sudden maybe the Lord seemed a little bit distant? Maybe he wasn't meeting my expectations in a way that I thought. What would happen? All of a sudden, all those things that I had turned from and been saved from, all of a sudden they became a bit more attractive, a bit more appealing. It wasn't until I was in a wilderness season that I began to see how much I still maybe wanted those things to satisfy and fill me. What do you look to uh, when you're in a season when the Lord seems distant? Do you find yourself turning back to some of those things that he redeemed you from in your own Egypt experience? Do you find yourself turning back to just dark things you know that can't satisfy you, but they, they'll fill you and make you happy in a moment? But then as we walk with Jesus for longer, like maybe even those things become less attractive. Do you know what the issue becomes then? It becomes entering a wilderness season and believing the lie that not necessarily some dark, perverse thing is gonna fill me, but if I could just rearrange the circumstances of my life, then I would have the peace and comfort that I'm looking for. So the golden calf is no longer like a wild drug experience. The golden calf is, man, if I just had a job that offered me this, if, if my marriage just was this way, if I had a church that just gave me this thing that I'm looking for, well, then I would have the comfort and the peace that I'm looking for. I can remember being placed for a season. We actually live a little bit north of Houston now, uh, but we were in this season of wilderness where we were there in the, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, the wilderness in Houston is its own experience, okay? Um, and and, and we, we had an offer in on a house and we're, we're getting ready to move there and they had this virtual tour that you could take. Have you guys ever done those? And we were just in this tiny little apartment in Houston, Texas. It's 200 degrees outside. We're just miserable waiting to be out of this wilderness, waiting to settle in this new house. And there were nights where I would just pull out my phone and for like half an hour, take a virtual tour through the, like over and over again, just like, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to get there. And there's nothing necessarily wrong about taking that tour. I just wonder how much more peace, how much more satisfaction I would have experienced if I would have put the virtual tour away, opened my Bible and met with the Lord in the midst of that wilderness as opposed to just some modification of my life circumstances. The wilderness exposes the belief within us that if I could just change this or modify that in my life, then I would be happy. We know it's not true. We know it's not true. So the wilderness is about exposing us. First, it, it shows our, our distrust in the Lord. Then it shows us the things that we look to for satisfaction and comfort. If you're in a wilderness season right now, ponder this question. What is the wilderness revealing about me? Where do I look to for deep peace and satisfaction? Is it an old light idol? Something that you used to run to for comfort in the midst of a hard time? Is it an adjustment of life circumstances? Is it if I could just get out of the wilderness? What is your wilderness season exposing to you? 
That leads us to ask this really important question. What is the wilderness intended to do? Beyond just exposing what's wrong, what what is God intending to do in the midst of our wilderness season? In that same book, A Non-Anxious Presence, Mark Sayers, he's from Australia, and so, so he says the following. He says that Australia is a massive country. It's, it's about the size of the United States, but only 25 million people live there. So huge country, not nearly as many people here. And most of the people live around the lush green areas of the coastline. Um, but Australia happens to also be one of the wealthiest nations in the world as well. The reason for that is that it is a very resource-rich country. So in Australia, there's an abundance of gold and iron, uranium, coal, oil, and other precious resources. Here's the problem. None of those resources can be found in the lush, green, comfortable areas of the coastline. They're out in what the Australians would call the bush. They're out in the wilderness. Those precious resources, they lie in the harsh, uncomfortable desert places. And to that, Mark Sayers makes this basic point that I pray you hear loud and clear this morning. To get the gold, you have to go into the wilderness. To get the gold, you have to go into the wilderness. Friends, the purpose of the wilderness is that it's a place where we encounter God. The the wilderness is the place that he ushers us into his presence. The wilderness is where he draws us to himself. Uh, This wilderness experience as a follower of Jesus is all about that. God is trying to bring you out of into a uncomfortable, trying, even miserable situation, not because he is abandoning you. He brings those, you to those places so that he could bring you to himself, that you might experience the precious treasure of his presence in a way that you never would surrounded by all the comforts that we look to in our normal, apathetic lives. He brings us to those places that he could bring, so that he could bring us to himself. Let me uh, just unfold a couple precious passages that show the encounters with God that we're meant to have in the wilderness. First, Exodus 19.4 says, um, speaking to the Israelites after Egypt, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you out on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Why did he usher them into the wilderness? Why did he set them free? Not just that they would be liberated from all of their bondage in Egypt. He set them free so that he might bring them to himself. Let me read another even more powerful one, Hosea 2, 14. If you've been around church for a while, you know that the book of Hosea is an intense one. Hosea marries Gomer, a prostitute, to illustrate Israel's unfaithfulness to the Lord. But he wants to see Israel set free from her adultery so that they might be wholly his. And so listen to what Hosea 2.14 says about Israel's experience in the wilderness. He says, therefore behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer me as in the days of her youth, as the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. 
This is Israel far into the future. But what had happened to them? They had lost their first love. They began once again turning to idols for satisfaction. And so what does God say that he's going to do for his, his beloved Israel? He's going to take her out of the comforts of her everyday existence and bring her into the wilderness to destroy her? No, to destroy her idols and to speak tenderly to her and to bring her hope and to bring her closer to him than perhaps she had been in a long time. This is what the wilderness season is all about. The wilderness is intended to draw us to the Lord. So back to the sarcastically leveled question that was given to the Lord. Here we are in the middle of nowhere. Here we are in a place of lack and misery. Here we are far away from everything that gives us comfort and peace. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Is God gonna roll out a banquet table here in the middle of nowhere? The answer to that sarcastic question is resoundingly yes. Resoundingly, yes. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? It's, a, it, it, it's, it's the very reason he brought you there in the first place. It's a table that will satisfy your soul like nothing else. God spreads a table in the wilderness experiences that we go through with Isaiah chapter 55 on the other end of it, where God is sitting at the other end of that table saying, come, everyone who thirsts to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, eat, Come buy wine and milk without money and price. Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear to me. Come and hear that your soul may live. Brothers and sisters, God is not only able to spread a table in the wilderness. It's the very reason he brought you into the wilderness in the first place. It's the very reason he brought you there in the first place. And so the question for you personally, or the question for you corporately as Icon Church is this. As you are in this wilderness season, will you grumble, turn to idols, distract yourself from the discomfort of this season? Or will you pull up a chair to the table that God is spreading before you and begin fellowshipping with him. It's why he brought you into the wilderness in the first place. And so um, before we, we close down, just, just a, few, a few points of, I think, just application for you to walk with. Um, let me just speak to Icon Church as a whole. So believe it or, believe it or not, I've actually seen this, this church's story from afar. How many folks are here that have been here from pretty much the beginning? I'm just wondering. How many folks have been here since pretty much day one? Yeah, I remember reading a blog post that this church was being planted here and just being so excited, knowing the, the darkness that exists in this city and all of the work that God was going to do you know, through it. And I'm sure many of you jumped on board because of an excitement about all of that. And of course, you've, I'm sure, seen great fruit, but I think we can agree to say you have been in a wilderness season of your own. Is that, is that fair to, to say you, you have? You've been in this in-between, right? It's not unfolding exactly the way that you thought. And, and here's the deal. Like, 
there's always this question when we go into the wilderness. This is what Israel did when, when they were out there. They, they basically said, has God led us all the way out here to destroy us? That, that, that was the, the question that was leveled against God as they were out there. And, and we, we sat together as we were beginning your pastor search. And, you know, just speaking honestly, I just realized that there's an honest question in this church. Is Icon going to be here a year from now? Two years from now? That's an authentic just question that, that people are asking. And I, it's very possible that, you know, the Lord will continue his work in Seattle apart from Icon Church. That's very possible that, that maybe he will close the doors here and something else will happen, maybe. Or maybe he's brought this people through this wilderness season because what this city needs is not just a people who go through the motions of church, but what this city needs is a wilderness-tested church. A, a community of people who have been in that in-between place, that place of lack, that place of discomfort, and instead of turning to all the old idols, instead of trying to just change circumstances, uh, there's a people who encounter the presence of the Lord in the midst of the wilderness. And they come back out of this season with a God who has transformed them, a God who has filled their soul in deep places, a God who is, who is actually real to you, that is personally real to you, not just uh, ideas that you, that you think about in your head. Maybe, just maybe, God has brought you into this season not to, to destroy you, not to close the doors here so that he might encounter you in ways that you would have never otherwise experienced him. What this city needs is a wilderness-tested church, not just a church going through the motions. Maybe that's what the Lord is doing here. And so, so practically speaking, what does it look like for us to pull up a chair and fellowship with the God who spreads table in wilderness settings? Man, it's things you know, it's just things that you probably don't do. Um, what, what does Jesus do when he's in the wilderness and he's being tempted? He quotes, actually, words that came out of Israel's wilderness experience. He, he, he says to the, to the evil one, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. To pull up a chair with God at his table in the wilderness means to get the Bible open in front of you in an unhurried way where you let it nourish you and transform you and feed your soul. Are you personally having times where you are meeting with God through his word? Again, I know you've had lots of preachers rolling through here in and out. I'm sure that's been challenging. I'm just talking to you personally. Are you personally filling yourself, feeding yourself with God's word so that, so that he can transform you through that and then go back into the city? What else? What else do we do in the, in the wilderness? We were talking about the wilderness as our family was just having a time of worship together with our kids. And I was, I was trying to... Um, uh, get across the point, like, what's in the wilderness? And they were like, rocks or sand or this. I'm like, no, that's not the point. Like, what's there with that, when nothing else is there? And we finally get to the point, it's God. Like, God is in the wilderness, even if nothing else is. And so can I ask you this in your own wilderness experience? Do, do you set time aside to just speak to him, to pray, to not just rattle off a couple quick things? Can I just encourage you to do this? This is a practice that I try to do when I'm, I'm just trying to draw near the, to the Lord, but I'm filled with distractions and just wanna move on about my day. Set a timer on your phone, 20, 30 minutes, and do nothing but pray during that time. And when you feel distracted and wandering off, open up the Bible and let it guide your prayers. In the wilderness, we, we are nourished by, by feasting on his word and, and seeking him in prayer. Let those things be found uh, in your wilderness experience. And then finally, the, the way that we pull up a chair and we fellowship with the God who spreads tables in the wilderness, the way we do that is by coming to 
the communion table. Um, you know, wilderness seasons are not just for Icon Church or, you know, unique things. It's, it really, wilderness wandering could categorize our entire Christian lives. Why? Because we have set, been set free from captivity to, to sin, to Satan. We have been delivered and we have been promised a future hope, uh, a new heavens and a new earth where everything works right. A- every need is immediately met and we dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. But where are we right now? We're not there yet. We've been set free, we're set, we are headed in that direction, but right now we are in the wilderness. This wilderness called earth, and every week here at ICON, we have the opportunity to receive the spiritual resources that we need to continue in this journey by, by coming to the table that Jesus himself spread. It's at the communion table that we are reminded that the blood of Jesus covers all our sins. Like we sang, oh, praise the one who paid my debt. When you take that cup, you are reminded that your debt of sin has been paid for. It's at the communion table that we're reminded that his body was hung up on a cross for us as we take that bread. It's at the communion table, praise be to God, that we're reminded all of this is temporary that we are headed towards a future home, we are headed towards paradise, and we will be with the Lord forever. And it's at the communion table that we can come to God with the same question that this one did. We can come to Jesus and say to him, Jesus, I'm in a wilderness season. It's hard. Can you spread a table in this season? And he looks back at you and he says, this is my blood poured out for you. Jesus, can you spread a table even in this season? This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Icon, keep going, keep trusting in the Lord and begin fellowshipping with the God who spreads tables in the wilderness by coming to the communion table um, this morning. Remember that we'll just take a moment to reflect. I invite you to just ponder, man, what, what, what might the Lord be speaking to you, you know, through his word this morning? And I will just say, as we get ready to come forward, there, there may be people here where, and you've never put your trust in Jesus at all. And I know Icon is thrilled that you're here. And I think they would also say, as they come forward to participate in communion, that you would just remain seated in this time, but that perhaps you would, you would ponder for yourself the invitation that Jesus gives to you, that your sins can be forgiven, that you can be redeemed and made whole in ways that you can't even imagine right now if you would place your faith in what he has done for you. So let, let me pray for you. Can I do that? And then I want you to just hang out in your seat for a moment. Just reflect on on God's word. And then when you're ready, come to the table that Jesus has spread before you. Father, we would never choose, oh my goodness, we would never choose to go out into the wilderness. It is harsh. It's lonely. um, It causes and reveals all kinds of things about us. But Lord, it's in the wilderness that you are drawing us deeply into your heart. I know this city needs a wilderness-tested church. They do not need a bunch of Christians just going through the motions. They need people who have met with you and who know you. And so I just pray in this season at ICON that you would usher this community of Christians into your presence. 
I pray for anybody that's in a particularly dark wilderness moment right now that you would just reveal yourself to them, your love for them, that you are faithful, that you will provide. I pray especially for the leaders of this church that have just been carrying heavy loads, the elders, the different volunteers, Kala, who have just been, been just putting one foot in front of the other. It's been hard. Just pray that they would be refreshed and know that you are working in them even as they navigate this time. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This teaching was recorded as part of our current sermon series at Icon Church. During our weekly gatherings, we move from the teaching to a time of response. While we recognize it may be hard to capture that as you listen online, we encourage you to take a moment to reflect on and respond to what the Spirit might be telling you in response to what you've heard. For more resources and to find out how you can join with us on Gathering on Sundays, visit iconchurch.org. And as we say each week, Christ is all and we are his.